Rich, how you doing today, man? Pretty good, man. How about yourself? Hey, doing good, doing good. Welcome to a uh, a special BNY podcast. Sometimes uh, just I like to do just one on one conversations with individuals doing great work in the community. Today, I got uh, Richard Sinek with me, uh, creator of Visionaries Audio Drama. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. You know, uh, taking everything that's thrown at us, this pandemic and all, but taking it day by day. And family's healthy. I'm mm-hmm. healthy. I got the rose-colored glasses on today. Hey. <laughs> also, um, you're the uh, brother of uh, Dr. Samuels, who I've uh, had on the podcast, too, as well. Yes, yes. Shirley, um so grateful for her connecting us and mm-hmm. as she is just the the back guy that's always I'm trying to catch up to you know <laughs> it's always been like that but I love her to death she always sets the tone I would not be who I am without her with, with the things that she's done so um that's that she's just like the greatest big sister I, I'm, I'm just happy to have her in my life yeah, she's fantastic. I got nothing but love for her. Uh, she came to the podcast, you know, talking all things her career field, OBGYN, and me having a daughter on the way too as well. Like it just, I was like, wow, I didn't know that. Wow, I didn't know that. Like really? Okay, I'll keep that in mind. Like like five years from now, I'm gonna go back to that podcast, just re-listen to it, just to pick up on those gems too, so I can hear it again. Um, yeah, it's oh, great. Oh, oh yeah, I listened to it actually, and I I called her afterward, and I was just so impressed because. She found a way where well, you, you, all you guys found a way to make it easier for men to listen to and, and, you know, like keep along with what she was saying. It didn't feel mm-hmm. like, oh, let me turn this off and walk away. So it was a learning curve for me too, you know, for down the line. So it, it was a really great segment of your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. We just taking it day by day. Like, uh, like that Will Smith quote, um, uh, you, every day you just plant a brick, just plant a brick that pretty mm-hmm. soon you look up and you have a wall. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's just how we try to do it over here. But uh, I'm glad we finally got this uh, moving. I had, a, I had to push it back last week, um, had some, some business to take care of. Uh, but we, we finally connected. We're finally here, and we're going to make this thing happen. I'm excited for this one. I'm excited about it, too, man. I got, I got a whole lot of questions, a whole lot of stuff. But um, tell, me, uh, tell us a little bit back, uh, about yourself. Give us some background on you. Sure. So, um, you know, I initially started off wanting to be an actor, Okay. Um, and, you know, after a while, I slowly went into transition to the art of writing, fell in love with it. Only reason I did it, to be honest, is because I was like, I'm going to just write my own work and always have work to do since actors have to, you know, kind of wait for a project to come out. But lo and behold, I actually really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So started writing and, you know, I when I was in school, I was writing for screen and television so I was a screenwriter and that's actually how Visionary started it it was meant to be a TV show when I first wrote it but uh, some life just kind of guided me towards podcasts and here I am with this audio drama and it's one thing I've listened to a couple episodes I haven't got through the whole thing yet I'm just taking I gotta take my time with it because I played it and I was doing something and I was like wait hold a second I I need to stop what I'm doing right now like I need to (laughs) like I need to sit back and just really listen to this like I think I was trying to clean up the house. I was like, nah, I'm not doing this right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit back. I'm gonna take my time because I, 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 we'll get this a little bit later because I got a few other questions to ask you. But for everyone out there, it is so, so it's 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 cool. It's it's cool as hell. Like just listen to the the sounds and how you placed everything together with uh with like a horse trotting and the the voice work you got. We'll, we'll get to that a little bit later because I want to ask you a few things first. But it is an amazing right. product you have there, and I'm excited for your I future. It. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. 
thank so, you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So you're in uh you're in New York. Yes. Talk about New York. What's going on up there? Uh, New York. So we've you know we were the epicenter uh, back April. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw everything come to a grinding halt. It was nothing like I've ever seen before. I've never seen New York that quiet before, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, but now we're at now starting to see things slowly open. You're seeing it come back to life slowly. But I, I gotta be honest. I got a little bit, a little bit of New York pride because we're only getting to this point because everyone was just wearing their masks and doing what they had to do and trying to keep up with social distancing. And it wasn't that much of an issue as I hear it in other places. Mm. So I'm definitely made me have that proud New Yorker moment. And I, I don't know if you ever, if you ever been, but actually, you know what? I have so, not, but go, go on different story. To yeah. <laughs> New York is so fast. I mean, so fast we're used to being in tight places on the train you got to have an armpit in your face we're all used to it nobody (laughs) complains that's just the way it is we all have to get to where we need to go and to seeing everything just slow down like we're not used to slowing down this way you know we're used to things going at a fast pace and you just kind of keep up with it so it was a little jarring for me it was jarring for me to be inside my apartment as much as i I have been, you know, like there's stores that's open damn near 24 seven. There's bars all around, you know, it's, it's, there's entertainment every block Mm -hmm. essentially. So it was, it was a little bit challenging, but I'm definitely going to wear the proud New Yorker hat because everyone's done their part and now we're slowly opening. And I know we still have ways to go, but I, you know, at least here in New York, we've seen the cases drop dramatically. So I'm really happy about that. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been nuts. And it's, it even went into to the podcast. You know, I, mm-hmm. I did it here. I went to a studio in New York. I casted all my actors in New York. So Visionaries was created in New York. It, it, it bleeds the state. So I'm really happy about that. Hey, I like that. I like that 100%. It's one thing about New York, uh, Kumo, governor, your governor, he, he approached that thing 100% serious. Like he was, mm-hmm. in, he was in playing in games. He said, "I'm running my state how I need to. That's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You're gonna fall in line, or I mean, I, I'm not, no, I don't know what to tell you. You're not opening anything up, and now you're starting yep. to reap the benefits of that. And like other places, like Texas and Florida, where they opened up too quick, and now they got to shut down again and restart everything all over. That's um, awful. Yeah, yeah. Even Maryland, Maryland. Uh, Governor Hogue has been doing a great job too, as well. But yeah, there's two governors that really took it seriously versus other places that were like, ah. Whatever, we'll open the economy yeah. up, and what happens, you happens, and now you're suffering the consequences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I just, it, for me, it was just amazing because there was no, we didn't have any other place to look at their model and say this is how you do it. We were the first, we were the epicenter, we were the first one, you know. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. this was all just on the fly, figuring out all right, well, we needed to do this, and I thought the governor did a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah, I'm ha- I'm happy for him. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for Visionary uh, uh, Studios too, as well. Visionary Studios, I got I got that right. Uh, so no, no, no. We actually where where I did the recording hmm. um, was at Home and Sound Studios. In oh, New okay, York. okay, okay. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, they're they're a pretty good studio. They all that quality that you're saying is good. I got to give tip my hat off to those guys. They definitely pulled it in. We built a great relationship with each other. So it was it was such a cool experience. That's amazing. We gonna we gonna we gonna get into that right there. I can't wait for that one. Let me let me ask you this though. 
you've been seeing everything that's been going on, George Floyd, uh, the protests, uh, all things, you know, racism in, in America, which is finally being highlighted as it should have been a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, uh, what's your thoughts on that? It's, I am, I'm optimistic, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, the reason I say that, for the first time, at least in my life, because like black men has been getting gunned down for quite some time. George Floyd was not the first one mm-hmm. to die from the hands of a police officer. So, but for the first time, I had people, my white friends, reaching out to me. I even had two actors, two actresses, reached out to me, and just to see how I'm doing as a black man. You mm-hmm. know, how am I feeling? Um, and then the the most important thing they asked was, what can I what can I be doing to help out? And to their credit, they already were doing it. They've been, I would see them on social media. They're trying to educate, they're posting articles, they're, they're sharing articles, they're doing everything they can to support the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. So I just pretty much told them, keep doing what you're doing. You know, that's exactly what we need. And um, I've never seen that before. I've never felt that before. So that made me feel optimistic because not just because of those two actors, that works on the visionaries, but just the everyone. I've seen marches all over New York. I mean, deep protests, walking down the bridge, stopping traffic, and I just sip my tea and just smile. Like it's it's something I've never seen before. So I do feel optimistic. I and I think we're also seeing a chain reaction of now there are a lot of people who whether you want to say it's their privilege or if they have a racist mindset, sometimes I think the two are intertwined. They're kind of exposing themselves. And um, as they do that, I think, cause I think that's the problem. And, you know, they're exposing themselves, even though they know in today's climate, you'll probably lose your job. You'll lose so much more because the world is starting to change. And I think there's something to be said when, mm-hmm. Some people were so used to having this privilege that it's hard for them to comprehend and say, "Woo, I can't say that," and they'll still blatantly say it, do it, and now there's some consequences. So that's another thing that's changed because before, I mean, people are losing their jobs for saying something, you know, ugly, some some ugly racial slur. Mm-hmm. Before black people were getting killed and then there was nothing happening. So I do see a change happening. We still have ways to go, but I'm, I'm optimistic and I feel like we're on a side of history that we're going to be talking about to our grandkids, you know, way down the line that this was the moment that everything started to shift. 2020 is a whole history book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's I a, mean, and we're not even talking about the pandemic. Like that's, yeah. So much is happening. So yeah, I agree with you. Twenty twenty will be a history book on its own. Yeah, don't forget we almost had World War Three and Australia's on fire too as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was so long ago at this point. God. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it's one thing you said that was uh, really interesting that uh you had a lot of your white friends reach out to you. I've had the same exact experience. Um they just ran not not no one provoked, no no one said, Hey, reach out to Rick. They mm-hmm. just they just hit me up and Call me, all sorts of texts, and I, we we talk, you know. Even um, even individuals that were against uh Colin Kaepernick and what he uh what he did, they're now starting mm-hmm. to come around too as well, and realize that the man was just trying to stand up for, you know, stand against police brutality by taking the knee. Yes. 
and everybody's starting to see things like that now. It's like, you know what? It's funny. Uh, Martin Luther King. Everybody loves him today. Everybody loves him today. Back in his day, the man got beat left and right, called all sorts of racial epithets, and he was also killed. Yes. Now they hold him in such high regard. And I think they'd be the same thing as far as Colin Kaepernick, too. Um, but as far as back to you, I I um I really love to hear that that the same thing you experienced, same thing I'm experiencing too, because I I have optimism as well. I feel like mm-hmm. we're on we've highlighted we're highlighting the issue. We're gonna continue to highlight the issues, and we're gonna make sure that we all can find a way to uh, peacefully live together as human beings should. And it warms my heart that you saying you hear the same thing because again, it's not just me and my few friends or people that I know, it seems like it's just spreading all around. Um, and mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's how it, that's how it starts. I do feel like the wheels of change are in motion and it's, I don't think it can stop. I don't think it can go backwards. It can still have a long way to go, but I think it's already on that journey. So I'm, I'm really happy for that. It makes me more optimistic for what's to come later in life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, things have changed, and there is no going back now. Mm-hmm. And if you're uh, you, if you're stuck in the past, or you feel a certain type of way, like you said, I'm glad it's being highlighted. People are getting fired. Uh, Amy Cooper up there in uh, Central Park, New York. Uh, yep. Yeah, called called the cops, put on that Oscar performance, you know, and uh, try to get, try to get this man uh, arrested. You know, cops are this, these days could have got him killed, but he recorded everything sat there and then exposed herself and she got fired from that too as well and I was happy to see that so yes people oh, are aware ecstatic. people are yeah exactly people are aware people are, are taking see the issue and <laughs> you know what you know one of my favorite movies is um and Glorious Bastards I love that movie oh yeah one of Tarantino's best I think yeah um at the end of the movie uh Christopher Waltz uh character he went to, mm-hmm. uh, remember, he went to go to, spoiler for everyone out there that hasn't seen it. I'm sorry. If you haven't seen it by now, I, I apologize. Um, his character wanted to go to, remember, he went to go to America. But Brad Pitt's character was like, well, all right. But first, it's something we have to do here. <laughs> <laughs> that he let the whole world know that this man was a Nazi. Yes. And I that, love that. Yeah. So we, and things that, we're, we have the timestamp, everything we're doing now, everything. Because mm-hmm. years from now, people are going to try to clean up history, gets whitewashed all the time. But we're not, uh, it's up to us, our generation, even more so than the older generation, it's up to us, you and me, to make sure that that doesn't happen. History's told the way it is and that we, we, um, we're not reinventing, but we're just here to document it properly as it should be. That's probably one of, you know, an argument can be made. The reason why everything is happening at this time, too, is the age of social media. Now you just, like, once it's on there, it's on there. Mm -hmm. You're not taking it down. Mm -mm. Um, and it will follow you. I even have a personal story with that. So when I created Visionaries, this was my, we'll, we'll go deeper into behind it, but this was my way of trying to combat racism. And as I'm, I'm releasing, season one has five episodes. So on the eve of mm-hmm. releasing episode four, and I believe that was, Monday, that was Mother's Day, so Sunday, I wake up to my Instagram account full of, of uh, DMs, I'm being bombarded with messages. Turns out one of my cast members got exposed for making, uh, saying racial slurs oh. on a um, on an app. Mm. 
And then I, you know, then they're like, you know, I'm employing this man. How can I do this? Now, obviously, this is all news to me. I did not know this when I hired this man, mm-hmm. you know, and the frustration I felt like this was an, an agent of hate who infiltrated my project, who I brought to my home for rehearsals, who I gave food to when I had a wrap up party to, to uh, celebrate the success of finishing season one. And the whole time he had these dark intentions and um, hateful intentions hidden within. And now, you know, they, he obviously he lost his job here, but I don't think that's something that would ever be whitewashed. I think that will always be there and it will always exist on the internet. So I'm as much as much as it hurt in the moment that I couldn't catch this man before because everything was recorded, everything was done all the everything was mixed and mastered everything's baked in you know there's nothing i can do to remove him from the first couple episodes i'm just happy it happened in season one and not season five where the whole time you know Mm -hmm. here's this man who's who obviously just is is a racist guy so my point is that i i think we are in this age where it will be hard to whitewash because we know that's been happening for ever at this point everything mm-hmm. being whitewashed mm-hmm. even from what we were taught in in um in school i didn't hear about tulsa when i was in school i learned yeah, about that no. outside of school so i think i'm happy that for this age it's it would be a lot harder for anybody to whitewash once it's out there online it's out there online i uh 100 agree with everything you just said right there once it exists it exists and it's it's, it's hard to walk that one back like, mm-hmm. I, I, how do you how do you come back from being a racist and people know you already said what you said in your heart? Yeah, you, it, uh, it's not the same as hey, I don't like your cooking. That's very yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's very different. So um, yeah, I don't. I think it's it's hard to to walk back from that. I'm not saying people can't be forgiven, but it's 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 hard to walk back from that because mm-hmm. that's 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 hate that's so ingrained in you. You know, it's hard to even think that it can easily be removed just by you being exposed and you apologizing, putting out a statement the day after. It's hard for me to just be like, all right, so like the years of of hate that's been built up, did it all just vanish because you got caught? Yeah, that's like what it is. I got caught and I apologize and you see the crocodile tears, all that. That's, yeah, you you know how the game goes at this point. But yeah, it it doesn't. It's there. It's there. You are, you, you said exactly who you are. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get even and one thing about it, too, as well, is that I was thinking about the whole Amy Cooper, th- Amy Cooper thing is that even now that she got caught, like, is she really sorry about that? Or is she going to have more hate in her heart for the fact that that happened to her, which may make mm-hmm. her more hardened in the views that she holds? Yeah, I, I read that article where she was just like, I'm not this this racist. And then, you know, when when I. Where it happened, like, I used to live right by Central Park. I used to say it's my backyard. I was, like, a block away from it. And I'm like, man, that could have been me. Mm-hmm. And things could have been so different. And for you to do that, I for you to jump to that, to jump to calling the police, using your your white privilege or whatever to call the police, and you put on this performance. Weaponizing whiteness. And know, right. And knowing this, the the world that we are in, if that man got shot, if it, if the, if it, you know, there was some, some type of altercation, and that man got shot and he died. That is on your hands, and you were okay with that because you didn't want to 
follow what he said you should follow, which was the rules. You can't have your dog over here not on the leash. Mm-hmm. And you jumped so far ahead that you were willing to destroy this man, whether he lost his life or he got booked, whatever. You were willing to interrupt his life, hurt it because you weren't getting what you want. And for me, that's just it's so other than the than the racist tones, but like how selfish do you have to be where it's like a child throwing a tantrum? Exactly. I, exactly I what it was. Not, I could not understand it. I'm just like, it, it's that bad where you want to destroy this man? Like, it's it, that's the point where you couldn't just pick up and leave. Central Park is a big park. Mm-hmm. It's huge. There's a lot of places you could have just walked somewhere else mm-hmm. and you could have actually went to the dog section because they have plenty of those too. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, that when she had the crocodile tears and like, you know, she's not this. I'm like, you knew full well what you were doing when you were acting too, when you were making it seem like you were being clubbed to death. You knew full well what you were doing, and you had every intention on getting this man arrested or even worse. And that's the scary part right there. So, my friend, I, I definitely want you to stay safe up there. I'm gonna stay safe down here in Maryland. And, you know, even, even from time to time, you know, after this, well, after this podcast done, I'll just hit you up just to check on you. Just make sure everything's good to go. That's the that's mm-hmm. community building that we need even more now I, than ever. Mm-hmm. I agree, especially now. I think we're starting to see, like you mentioned with, you know, will, will she be, in, in Amy uh, Cooper's case, will she understand that she was wrong or will she even kind of get wrapped by more hate? And I think there's going to be a lot of people we're not happy with the way the world is going and we're going to see a lot of violence. There was that, um, that, that lady, I forgot where it happened, but, um, I think white men, they, she was driving her car. They came up to her car, pour, poured lighter fluid inside. Yeah. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. Wow. That's where we're at. It's that real. 1930 Mississippi, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> I agree. We do need to build this network of reaching out and making sure each other's safe. And I, I mean, I'm no fool. There's certain places where I'm like, nah, I ain't going there. With everything that's mm-hmm. happening, I'm yeah, good yeah. because, or at least not by myself, because yes. um, there are too many weird things that's happening, and there are too many questions that's going unanswered right now. It's uh, we're we're in, we're in different times, but uh. We're going to, as long as we have each other's back, we, we keep moving from there, then um, we're going to be just fine. I got I got faith in you. I got faith in me. I got faith in all my guys here at BNY, Municipal Bias. So it's up, it's up to us to make sure we um, that we, we look out for each other and everybody out there. I, look out for your people. That, it's I, just not a black, black thing. Every All allies, everybody. Anybody against injustice. Mm-hmm, anybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. Let's, um, that was fantastic right there. That whole segment was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I got to come out of character for that one. Let's uh, talk about uh, Visionary. I want to hear all things with uh, your audio drama. Do you consider it an audio book? Do you consider it a podcast? Do you consider it a, uh, a, a possible TV show? I want to know everything about it. So, um, I, you know, I put it in the realm of podcasts. That's where it is. It's just not your, not like what we have here. It's an audio drama. It's a, a series, you know. And as you mentioned, it's not something, it's something I created where Yes, it does demand your attention because there's so many details that you kind of have to just sit and listen. It's hard to uh, do certain things while you're listening in the background because mm-hmm. um, I wanted to create 
I wanted to use audio to create the pictures in your mind. I wanted it to be no different if you were watching TV. The only difference is you probably have to like really focus on it and you can see and all, all the, the, uh, the world that I try to create. Um, about the story, um, just you know, for anyone listening, Visionaries is a story about two different race of people, mm-hmm. the human race and the visionary race. The human race are enslaved by the visionaries who happen to be a superior race. The reason that they're superior is because they represent the evolution of human beings. And in that evolution, they awaken these superhuman eyes. So the story pretty much follows the human race that's known as dead-eye slaves. Um, it follows uh, it follows that group of people and, and their rebellion against the visionaries. And um, initially... I did write this for TV. I was very inspired by Game of Thrones, won't lie. Wanted to do a We did talk about that, yeah. <laughs> and and um, I also wanted to find, I wanted to do a story. This was like my first time as an artist. Like, how can I do a story that actually, I feel sends a message to the world? I've written a lot of films before, and not that I don't like what I've written before, but they were just something that, oh, this is a dope storyline, let me write something to it. But this one really is close to home because... Um, it was my way of trying to combat racism. So that's why when I created this, I with the Dead Eye Slaves, it's it's a storyline in which all of my listeners, we will all fit under the Dead Eye Slaves because it doesn't matter your race, your gender, your age. We would we all have normal human eyes, so we would be considered Dead Eye Slaves in this story. And um, I was thinking, like, what better way to kind of reach across the aisle? And anyone who who has more privilege than I have, maybe for a moment, if they listen to the story and they're bunched up in the dead eye slave category as I am, maybe for a second they'll feel what it's like to be underprivileged. So that was what I wanted to do, and I thought that's the way I can bring everyone together. You know, um, you look at another big inspiration for me was like X Men. You oh, know, you I know look exactly at, where you're going at going. Right. So you have. <laughs> We, you know, we have the two main characters that was pretty much represents the spirits of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and Magneto being Malcolm, Professor uh, Professor X representing Martin Luther King. And, you know, these mutants who are on the, the hate end of, like, they're being hated because of, you know, their mutated genetics. But I was like, you know, as great as that is, and if that was Stan Lee's, I don't know how true that is, if that was Stan Lee's... Um, uh, like what he wanted to do, that was his message. Mm-hmm. It's great. If not, it was still a huge inspiration for me. But I was like, why don't I take X Men and kind of flip it? And instead of the mutants being hated, why don't I make the humans hated? Why don't I make us hated? Why don't I make everyone Ooh. white, black, girl, boy, all of us feel what it's like to be discriminated against because we don't, because our eyes are different. And that's why with visionaries, you know, they're not aliens that came down. And it's not, you know, world domination. They're just humans that happen to evolve. Not everyone evolved into a visionary. So just because you evolved and I didn't, you're all of a sudden better. You're all of a sudden better than I am because you have these unique eyes. Mm-hmm. Forget the fact that our ancestors can be cousins. Nope, you evolved, I didn't. So you were better than me, and now I'm forced to be your slave. Um, so that's that's. Mm was the main motivation of visionaries and 
it's it's just really putting everyone on the same boat and maybe we all can be like damn yeah that's kind of messed up some can understand more than others but those who can't understand maybe this can be the bridge to get them there that's uh <laughs> that's a fantastic explanation right there um even with the the whole x-men tie into as well that's one thing as i got from i was like it's kind of like i kind of got like an x-men feel from it and the whole thing with stan <laughs> lee with the uh, malcolm x it, it, actually, I'll take it back a little bit. It's like an X-Men mixed with like Game of Thrones, like you said. And the whole mm-hmm. Stan Lee, um, Malcolm X, or Martin Luther King with uh, Professor X and Magneto. You, yeah, you knocked out the park with that. That's, that's, ex- <laughs> that's exactly what I was about to say. And then you uh, you, you ran with that. That's, 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 that's great. Um, talk to me about the uh, your writing process. Oh, the writing process. So it was interesting. It's, it's definitely going to be different for season two because – you know, as I mentioned, when I first wrote mm-hmm. this, I wrote this for TV. So I remember I wrote the pilot being the first episode that was about, I think, like 55 pages. And it, it still had elements of what the first episode of the podcast is, but a lot longer. And I remember when I was giving it to people to read, trying to pitch it, uh, someone just slapped me with the truth. You have no connections. You ain't got no budget. No, like HBO doesn't know you through a hole in the wall. They are not gonna just pick you up and give you a show. Mm-hmm. Um, so that made me kind of go back to the drawing board and say, well, I like this idea too much. It, it hits home for me. Like, what can I do to change it? Um, I then I was gonna try to do a graphic novel, mm-hmm. you know, and then I went into converting it and putting these panels. Um, my former art director was going to help me with that because he he's he's a great illustrator um but then even then i was just like it doesn't get the message across because with graphic novels with 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 comic books more there's more uh love or attention to the visuals as opposed of maybe the story you know people flip through the pages and yeah you have dialogue the, the the bubbles but it's not the same and i felt it wasn't gonna allow my writing to really shine then I had another friend of mine tell me about an audio drama. Mm-hmm. So I started listening to them, and that's when I realized, man, like, if done right, you can really put your audience, you put your listener in that world. If they have the right amount of sound, if if the acting is on point, if it feels authentic, you know, they, they can just shut their eyes and they're there with you. So I started to... You know, after listening to a few podcasts, I can kind of get an idea because I, I didn't go to school for this. I never written for a podcast before. I didn't even know of an audio drama, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, started doing some research, then, you know, started breaking it down. And, you know, I didn't want it to be an hour. I think that's a lot for people to just sit and listen because it, it requires, it's not like most podcasts where you can do things in the back. Mm-hmm. This actually requires you to sit and listen. I just thought an hour of that is a little much for any listener. Um, so I, you know, I wanted to do kind of hit like close to a little less than, than half an hour, no more than half an hour for sure. And writing it at first, it was hard, but it, it just, it started to flow. You know, I was able to extract from the first episode that I wrote for TV, but you know, it's, it's different. Writing for 25 minutes is different than writing for an hour. So a lot of things had to change. And I, I haven't written the second episode. I didn't write the whole season. I just wrote the pilot. So the the writing process, it's it was one of the easiest things for me. I don't know if that's because I'm just so in tune with this project and it means a lot to me. 
but it it was it was an experience man like i mm-hmm. i was able to kind of get through it the story kind of fell in place together um i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that i went through three different forms of writing i've had this story in my head the whole time so maybe when it was time to write it for the podcast it just started leaked out you know it wasn't as like i had the idea yesterday and i'm trying to write it i've already written it for tv and a graphic novel so it's kind of just been cooking in there and when i finally found the right platform um for the time being it it all kind of flowed out so it was it was a cool writing process uh to the nitty gritties of the writing i'm a big outline first guy i don't move until i have a complete outline that's my guide system um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, you know, so I kind of get the outline down and once I've done several drafts of the outline and I just feel it has a flow, then I get into writing. I, I don't follow the outline word for word, but it, I always imagine it or explain it. Like imagine a, um, if like a handrail, something that you can just hold on to and you're walking in a dark room is just something that kind of helped me move forward in this dark room of this story and put everything together and make sure that I'm staying on the on the message. Make sure that I'm not just kind of changing and all of a sudden it went from these dead eye slaves trying to rebel to a family piece and like two people who's like a, like a rom com, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So um that's that's my way of, of writing. I really like to outline it enough where I can just kind of move forward and have the real creative fun stuff happen in the process of writing you know, while I'm hearing these words and I'm putting it together, how the character says this, how they talk, you know, do they say long sentences? Do they keep it short? Everyone is just very different based on their character. Talk to me about the characters and tell me who your favorite one is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm putting you on the spot here. (laughs) Characters, you know, everyone, I try to make them all different in their own right. Um, And, you know, like uh, the main one of the, the two main characters without you know spoiling it too much there's Grayson of the first blood who is a visionary however he has human eyes he whatever he was born with human eyes even though he came from visionary parents mm-hmm. and then you have radon of the first blood who's the arch seer and he is the leader of all visionaries um typically when you who are born from visionary parents, but you have human eyes, you're treated very badly. Mm-hmm. You know, they look at you not as bad where you'll be a slave, but you're considered deformed. But because he's the brother of an arch seer and because he's part of the royal family, he has the privilege of not feeling that. So that was the main thing with his character. I want to create someone who, even though he looks like all the other humans who, who have slave chains on, the only reason why he doesn't have one on is because he has privilege. Mm. Um, and Radon, who is the the just your typical visionary, he has the eyes, he has the mantle, he has the power, he's the arch seer, and how he views uh, dead eye slaves. So that I just want to have two counterpoints: one person who has power with just because of privilege, and the other one who has it because he just has it. And uh, you know, they're both brothers. They both have different views. Their views clash often, but it was nice kind of flirting with the two and being able to cover a lot more with their uh, complete different views. 
and uh, my favorite character. That's I. I'm a fan of. There's like certain generals who come in because there's five different cities on this island mm-hmm. that's called Vision Rock. This is the home of visionaries, and there's five different cities. So um, one of my favorite cities is uh, um, like Sunrising. That's the home of Sun Warriors. Uh, Greystone is the home of Greyborns. Mm-hmm. Those are like my favorite cities. So I would say General Loken and General Price is, are probably my favorite characters just for what they stand for. Mm. Um, not everyone treats human slaves the same. You know, if some people are nice or some people don't agree with it, but unfortunately it's the system, so they have to abide by it. Um, but that's what I meant by everyone's very different. It's not just black and white, like all visionaries treat humans the same. Kind of like life. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's, I am trying to make this, even though it's fantasy, I am trying to make this a copy of it because that's the only way we understand it, you know? And that's what I've always learned uh, in my writing classes. Like, no one... We don't go to the movies or we don't watch TV to just watch a boring replica of life. No one wants to see someone just doing a nine to five. Mm-hmm. They get yelled at at their boss. They come home, have a beer and go to sleep. That's boring. But we still want to take those realistic elements and just heighten it. So that's what I want to do. Take life as is. People, We all treat people differently. Everyone has their different views, but heighten it. Oh, wow, there's slaves. Oh, some people have superhuman abilities. You know, um, There's a rebellion going on. I think that's the best way to just kind of get people interested and they can they can even though th- this is not their world they can understand it and that's maybe that can help with the message I'm trying to get across for people to know those with privilege what it's like to feel underprivileged. Dude, fantastic. Uh I, I all right, so I I finally get to ask you this question. Talking about the actors and talking about the sound quality because that when I first heard it, it just completely just blew me away. I was like, right. I was like, hold, wait, wait, hold a second. What am I, what am I listening to here? Let me, let me stop for it. Like I said earlier, let me stop for a second. Let me take my time actually, like really here to say, I put, I put on the Bose head, head uh, headphones. You know, I, I gave oh, him the proper treatment. Yeah, I had to get his, I had to give his proper treatment. Uh, one thing about an artist right. is that the work you put in, I want to experience that as much as possible too, as well. There's a, mm-hmm. I do have one recommendation outside the. Uh, uh, the pot or uh, your audio tapes that you do. That's we'll get to that a little bit later. Remind me of that one if I forget. But um, talk okay. about talk about the uh, the actors, the hiring process for the actors and the studio too as well. So um, I worked with Pullman Sound Studios. They're a pretty good, well known studio in New York. Um, reached out to them. They were just available, open. Um, even the people I spoke to, I talked to them about the idea, and they were really excited about it so it was cool it felt like this was they weren't just like hey pay me my money and do your project they felt really involved in the process part of the team so that was awesome um for the actors it was you can ask any of my actors i put them Mm -hmm. through it because i knew in this type for this type of story that requires the listener's attention Mm -hmm. bad acting would not work if, if it sounded fake, if it sounded on the nose, if it sounded blah, people would check out because I'm already asking for so much for you to just sit there and just listen. So um, I knew that I had to go through multiple rounds of auditions. So I did about three rounds of auditions. 
Wow. And um, yeah, and even my actors joke, like I put them through the ringer, and I did, and I appreciate them for sticking with it. Mm-hmm. But I just knew this project wouldn't work. So the 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 rule we had on on set during production was this is just like theater. You know, in film, you can do multiple takes. Right. Bad one, do another take, you get in. But in in theater, you're out there in front of your audience. You got to nail it right there. Mm-hmm. So what a lot of theater actors have to endure is rehearsals so we had a whole bunch of rehearsals for about a month and a half i had actors in my apartment coming in and out it was almost like a nine to five job like um coming in and out trying to get them prepared because i had booked the studio for about five days and we had 20 hours to capture the entirety of season one and you know this was something that i i pretty much got the money you know, save the money on my own to do it. So I wasn't in a position, excuse me, I wasn't in a position to, for it to like carry over and we have to do a little more studio time. So we, we had to aim for perfection as much as we, we could in that moment. So I told all the actors like, look, you guys have about three takes, three takes to get it right. So I can move on to the next scene because when I break it down in time, we got to move quick. Um, So the rehearsals really helped. I, I, you know, I casted these actors myself and I was really happy with who I was able to pick because for me in my casting process, I need to see not only who has a talent, but can you take direction? Because you can have talent, but ultimately you're, you might be only seeing the story from the perspective of your character. Me as a showrunner, I'm seeing it as everything. So I need to know, can you trust me and take direction? Not saying that your choices, your acting choices wasn't good, it may not fit the story we're telling right now. So that was one of those things that was really important to me. It's, it's not only do you have the talent to, to act, it's, it's can, I, can you let me guide you and lead you? And um, I didn't have any issues with the actors I, I, I brought on. It was, it was great. You know, they, they showed up. Um, we had a great time, but at mm-hmm. the same time, it was professional. We were like hot knife through butter, uh, through butter. It was, it was an amazing experience. How many actors a total? Total for season one, I believe we had seventeen actors. Wow. Yeah. So definitely had to break that up, and you know, like some people would have to be there at nine. Somebody call time won't be till one. We just had to make sure by the time it was one, I needed my actors to be there, and we were ready to go into the studio and, and bust these uh, lines down. Okay, okay. Talk to me about this. New York actors, uh, how does that whole process work? Like, how do, how do they get found? How do you – do you go to a website and just put a cast a call out? Like, how, how does it work? That's what I did. So I went to Actors Access, and I put out an ad. Um, and just, you know, you typically you describe – you know you, you what you're looking for so for Grayson of the first blood looking for uh this male you can go into physical descriptions i personally did not go into physical descriptions because the whole point of the story is we're all on the human race side right i didn't want to like slaves are this race of people or this race of people mm-hmm. it's meant to be diverse so i i did not describe any physical features it was just breaking down who the character is looking for radon an insecure man full of power that was like one of like a a type of ad that i put out there so i wanted all everyone to come you know my goal is to have this project be as diverse as possible um 
I think I'm hoping even for season two, now that we have a name, uh, have even more people of color who join on because um, I, I just think it will pop up a lot more on people's radar because I haven't had that much work at first when I first put it out there. So that's so you put the ad out and then I booked a room and I think it was like from t maybe like 11 to 7 I'm just people are coming in and auditioning in front of me you know I had a reader they come in they do some lines I take some notes and to see if they make it to the next round and then you know we do it again and we do it again um <laughs> so so that's that's how it how it worked and you know, it's hard, you know, you come in as an actor, you just, because I've experienced this when I wanted to be an actor, you just go into a room and you have a couple of lines to determine if you're good enough for this role. You know what that reminds, you know? Me, yeah, you know what it reminds me of? Uh, have you seen a, a Marriage Story on Netflix? I have not, no. Okay, so uh, Adam Driver's uh, character on there, He uh, he's, uh, he's a theater uh, producer, if I'm, if I'm saying that right. He runs a theater. And he has uh, just actors coming in left and right. It's, it's it's based in New York too, as well. It's actually a really really fantastic movie. Um, but it just kind of reminds me of that like every time I think of, like New York and actors, it's like I always think of, like the struggling actor trying to make it before they break big. But this is like a different side of it. It's like you are doing the writing, hiring the actors. And what thing great yeah. about what you're doing too is that even for the actors, that there it's all going in their resume, what they did with you. So mm -hmm. it's just it's just more growth right there, just to keep and people you know people I don't know how how it works on that side, but resume people look at it like oh, visionary audio drama, and then who knows maybe someone takes a look at it from there. I want um, I want to ask you this: Have uh, how is how what kind of reception have you been getting back from it? Uh, has anybody have reached out to you? What uh, what kind of work can we expect uh, going forward with this drama? Um, so I've I've feel very blessed i've been getting very positive feedback um whether it's reviews people would leave i am one of them um, <laughs> um, <laughs> appreciate it. um just people who who reach out to me um actors who are like hey are we you know are, am i coming back for season two i i think there's this feeling um you know among everyone who who's on this project of this can be something if we just continue going the way that we're going. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's really important because I, I want everyone who's involved in this to feel like this is their baby as much as it's mine because that's how we get everyone to put in the work and do everything that they have to do. And that's been the feeling I've, I'm getting from everyone. A lot of uh, people reach, reach, whether they leave reviews or even if I'm seeing the numbers as I'm seeing, oh, more downloads. Oh, wow, we had this much downloads. I had a... Um, I had a, a, a teacher, a professor, a college professor out in Poland reach out to me and ask if he can use visionaries Ooh. as part of his syllabus mm. um, for them to break down the motifs and themes of it because he was that much of a fan. I'm just like, what? I mean, yeah, hell yeah, you can do that. That's what I'm trying to do. I, I, I want people to, you know, listen. And then you want to assign this to your students to listen and break down and write a paper on it. Yeah, I'm down with that. So that was probably the highlight. Um, Are you going to read some of those papers? Um, I, If I can, yeah. I told them I, I'm not too sure when, you know, with different times, I'm not too sure when the semester starts in Poland. So when I reached out, he was – uh, the teacher will let me know when they start and then he'll 
uh, send me the uh, syllabus, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping I can I can see. You know, the professor the professor even asked like, what sh- any suggestions on how to teach? Because I'm like, look, I'm not a teacher. Like, this is your thing. Do it as you want, as you see it unfold. I'm just humbled that you wanted to use this as a incorporate it into your teachings. That's that's amazing. You know, I've never had anyone ever do that. And, you know, Visionaries is still relatively new. We just released the season finale. I believe it was May 25th. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this, this, all this love and acknowledgement I've been getting has been, you know, really good. And it's, it's definitely making me feel like got to keep going, got to keep trucking. We're on to something. Uh, yeah, it's catching fire. That's crazy. A, a master's class by a teacher in Poland. That's uh yeah. yeah you got you got something going on there. I would uh I would love to um I'd love for you to actually read those papers too as well. I think that would be uh I think that'd be really great. All right, so let me get to the one point. I'm gonna bring it back here before we move to something totally different. Um, one thing I would like to see you do is that like you know how Game of Thrones has always uh actually I talked to your sister about this too as well. Uh, they have like a uh, talking throne segment where they um they sit back and actually talk about the episode or uh, Walking Dead. They have like a talking dead where they talk about the episode after it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you could do something like that too as well, where after the episode, maybe it's like a, I don't know, it ain't got to be anything crazy, like 10, 15 minutes of you just talking about the episode to somebody. Let me just ask you questions and just going from there. I think get your perspective I, on every single thing from there. I don't know if you had the idea or not, but just out of curiosity. Right. You know, I did have that idea. Uh, I got inspired when Game of Thrones was doing it because I would watch them every time the showrunners would uh break down everything that went into the episode mm-hmm. especially one of my favorite episodes battle of the bastards i'm like i gotta sit down oh my and God. see how they captured this war scene that made me feel so uneasy just by watching i feel like i was on the battlefield mm-hmm. uh, so i i completely agree i think it's just one of those things um that even with game of thrones though if you go back to the earlier seasons they didn't have that in season one Mm -hmm. i think it's one of those things when you kind of get a feel and you start building enough of an awareness then it it kind of comes at least that's what that's what i was looking at it this is the first season still so much to go i still have so much to learn um i just kind of want to get a little more under my belt and kind of get a feel for the audience i was you know when i first released this i Man, Ricky, I was so nervous. I was just like, someone <laughs> can either it. say, this guy's a nerd. This is, you know, like this is. Where that's a badge of honor, work. baby. You know, um, it was, it was, it was just, I've never, I've never released anything like this before. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I think my, my approach was just like, let me take it one step at a time, complete this milestone of releasing it. Cause that's, that's big on its own, right? You release something that, you know, that came out of thin air and you turned it into something and you put it out there. So. I hopefully with season two and we're seeing how things go and we're easing in and visionaries becoming a little more familiar in the podcast world. I definitely want to look into doing these little small segments and just explaining, you know, what happened, even, um, just, just all different type of views from writing the process. Cause I do think people like to know things like that, especially if there's mm-hmm. anyone who wants to get into it. And I am all about sharing knowledge. I'm not one of those who likes to hold it to myself. So, mm-hmm. um, if that's something that can help, because I know when the showrunners did it for Visionaries, it helped me. I mean, for Game of Thrones, excuse me. When the showrunners did it for Game of Thrones, it helped me get a better understanding. So, yeah, that's definitely in my mind. Hey, it's your, it's your creative process. You do as you need to. You're, you, you're the director. You feel whatever's best for you, 
go and make it happen. But I would definitely love to hear you. Uh, whenever you as as awareness is building, like you said, that you when you want to do it, you drop it, and P, I, I think people will really really love that. To be be completely honest, um, let me ask you this: Are you working on any other projects outside of um the audio uh the podcast you have? No, mm-mm. this is getting a hundred percent of of my attention. Okay. Um, I I used to do little like script consulting, so I I help people would hire me and I help them out with their script, whether they are just stuck with an outline and things like that. And I had this client of mine reach out. He actually wanted me. I wrote a feature film for him, and he wanted me to help write another film. And I'm just like, look, bro, this is something that's just too. <laughs> I cannot give any, any energy to that because maybe if I was just writing visionaries, but I'm, I'm doing everything. I'm casting it. I'm producing it. I'm directing it. I'm everything except recording it and doing, doing the music. Obviously I, I hired a composer doing the arts. My former art director did all the illustrations and video for me, um, mix and mastering those stuff, but everything else, even the sound design, like it, it just, it takes, it takes a lot, you know, editing it together. So I just don't, I, I kind of have to give all to visionaries at this moment. No, I a hundred percent respect that. Like even me with the podcast, like I got it's a whole bunch of, a lot of other podcasts I would like to do. Like I like to do like a local uh, sports podcast and all sorts of thing. But my energy right now, my focus needs to be straight up on what I'm doing here right now. I can't really, mm-hmm. I don't really have time to branch out from there. Though in due time, we'll do that. But. Right now, I gotta make sure the the home base is you know strong and solid, and we it's, build from there. Secure. Exactly, mm-hmm. and then we build from there. Yeah, so you see, this, me and you are on the same page. <laughs> let me mm-hmm. uh, speaking of the same page, let me ask you this: uh, uh, black art. So, what you're doing right now is, I would say, it's actually, it's pretty unique when it comes to um uh, to uh to to the black men. Like you're, you're doing um like Game of Thrones style uh audio you know podcast uh tapes. This is uh, even though you go like Lord of the Rings, um, what, whether uh, fancy, so many fancy um, uh, books and movies are out there, but you really see uh, black men behind it. Have you uh, faced anything from there? Um, as it, what 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 was it your whole experience with that too as well? Um, so I I can't say anything happened in visionaries like they weren't, you know I I was able to put out what I wanted to do. There weren't any any roadblocks about me being a black man. But I will mm-hmm. say about black arts and it, it is concerning. So when when I went to um, my acting conservatory fresh out of college, I was the hey. only black student in my section. Mm-hmm. And at first I just ignored it. But as I got older and I was looking back, I'm just like, damn, you know, like college is where you're meant to make contacts and I made contacts don't get me wrong like I still have those contacts Mm -hmm. but there were times that I felt like I was on an island alone honing my craft because there were no black professors and I was the only black student and there were certain subjects that I felt I had to keep to myself because no one would really understand and this was this was at the you know I was in the age of trying to figure out who I am as an artist and I, I I go home and uh, or, or whatever comes February, I watch the Oscars because like every actor, you know, you, you dream of the speech you give and winning your Oscar. Oh, of best course. Supporter. Absolutely. 
I look at the Oscar and I'm like, damn, that's like my classroom. There's like one black dude nominated, one black dude gets an Oscar, or there were times there was no black people nominated and they had the hashtag whitest Oscars. So mm-hmm. Oscar so white. I, yeah, Oscar so white. Excuse me. So like that matched my experience, and I'm like, so not only from honing your talent, you know. I, I had to be the only black person, but even when you excel and you're at the point of getting nominated, you might be the only black person, even if you get nominated, you might not even get nominated. And that is alarming to me. Like there, we need, we need like black artists need more support to hone their craft and we need more outlets to put our art out there. And you know what? That's one um, thing I love with, I'm sorry if I cut you off here, but I just want to inject Jordan Peele. That's one thing I love what he's doing. Is that he said every one of my movies will have you know a minority lead at the very least. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, please continue. That's the uh, that's really important, and even you know as I was saying before, like th- this story, you know I've written films where it was written for a black lead. With, with this story, I didn't want to put any physical descriptions because I still wanted to be a diverse thing. This was the point of this story, mm. but. I am hoping that I have a lot more black people audition and uh, of everyone, but you know, like I, I do, I do want it to become just a lot more diverse for season two. So I am really hoping when I put the ad out because we have a name now, cause you know, no one knew what visionaries was. And then on top of that, not saying voice acting isn't appealing, but it wasn't a short, you know, it wasn't a film I was putting out there. It was just a podcast. Um, and I think as podcast is now getting popular, mm-hmm. sometimes TV still kind of holds a weight over it. Um, especially since I'm trying to do a scripted series, you know, so if someone had to pick between doing even a web series where you can see yourself and a audio drama series where it's just your voice, it may not be as appealing. So I'm hoping now that I've established a name, um, we can get some more people uh, to represent some of these characters that I, I'm trying to put out there. Hey, absolutely. I'm all for it. You know me, I'm all for it. Uh, what's your thoughts on um, as far as black actors, not just locally, but globally too, Hollywood? Um, I think that it's still like, yeah, we look, you have the the Will Smith, the Denzel, mm-hmm. Wyla Davis. You're mm-hmm. going to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, you know the the stars really out there and that's that's cool and I love their work and I appreciate them but I still think it's such an uphill battle mm-hmm. it is hard and not to go back to what I was saying before but even when I was I went to school for acting that's why I went I, I didn't I wasn't doing it on the side this was like I'm gonna go to school for this so I can hone my craft and the fact that I was the only black student there and there was not even a professor I think that stunts black artists I think it stunted me a little bit mm-hmm. because there were certain things that I could not relate to my teachers or fellow classmates and with acting I, I'm not going to say oh, I think all art but I can speak from acting a lot of it is you pulling stuff from within right and how can I pull from within or how can I be guided to pull from within if this person doesn't understand what I felt at all in this this way so it made me feel like I had to figure things out on my own a lot. And that's fine, but that's not, it's still, I think, uh, a disadvantage. 
you know, I, I wanted to have a mentor really bad and I couldn't have a mentor. Um, so mm. I think just like with, with Hollywood, like it's, it shouldn't be that there are a lot of, it's not that black people don't want to be artists. It's like, we just don't have the outlets and it's so hard to get through. And it's not, especially with art, like with visionaries, with me doing this, I'm, it's cool that I got to put it out there, but I didn't put it out there thinking, all right, well, cool. I'm about to make bank and just sit at home and chill. Not at all. I had to still work a part-time job while I was doing this just mm. to fund it and just to keep my lights on because I still got to pay rent. Right, right. It's, so, real sh- it's real shit. Yeah. So, you know, um, this is something that I'm going out on a limb for. And if I can have the same outlets as other people can have, it, you know, and if it's if the product is good, then, I, I you know, we all just want a fair shot. So I think even up to the top, Hollywood, Hollywood is bad. I mean, what was that movie they did with um, what was it like Gods and Kings and oh, like they the Gods of Egypt? Oh my God! Yeah. I was going to bring that up too as well. Me and you on the same page today. Oh my God! Oh, yeah, I, I remember. Like, come on. <laughs> I remember seeing the trailer for that movie years ago in the theaters. I was like, "What is this?" Like, <laughs> like, How? like, <laughs> and I think the director made an excuse saying like. I think uh, it was Christian Bale who was in it. Christian Bale yep. put butts in the seat. And I'm just like, bruh, you couldn't, you tell me there was no black actor you could have gotten to to do that. And then, why don't we go to the craft? You're worried about an actor's cachet to put butts in the seat. Why don't you just do a damn good movie and it will bring people? Hey. If it's good, mm-hmm. people will come. That's what I believe. If you build if it, the they will come. If the product is good, they will come. Mm-hmm. So, like, that, that for me... Was it's just not cool, but I will say I have been seeing um, a lot of, especially like voice actors, who was playing like let's say on animated series they were playing like this black person and they were just like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna drop out of this I think it was Big Mouth one of the actual white actress dropped out she played the black girl and she's like this should go to a black person to play this black girl not me doing that mm-hmm. so I I do see that mm-hmm, change mm-hmm, happening. Mm-hmm. And I, in my own way, I had to counter that change because um, when I first wrote Visionaries for TV, you know, Grayson, you know, like I, I had when I had uh, the do um, my friend do the illustration, had dreads, had all that type of stuff, but casting didn't work as I wanted to go. And I was just like, no, I kind of have to let this go. And that was hard for me because, you know, I've had this sit in my mind for a long time. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, I do like the idea of people just hearing these voices and picturing them how they see them, you know? Um, but I, I think like when you are, if you're telling a story, if you're telling something in Egypt and you just want us to believe that, you know, Christian Bell can pull that off. Like, that's not cool. That's just a slap in the face. Yeah. I've never seen that movie. I, I didn't like anything about it. I mean, even go further back than that. Look at the, uh, the 10 commandments. One of the most most famous movies I would say ever made comes mm-hmm. on comes on every Easter. Uh, yeah, every not one. Easter. Yeah, not one black man in sight in Egypt, in the Middle East, centuries ago. Like, it's, and we've and, it's, and that and that and those days are over. We we done with that. Um, I I read recently. Uh, uh Kristen Bell, she turned down mm-hmm. um a role that was uh meant for a mixed race voice 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 acting. She uh she mm-hmm. turned down. She said, "I'm not I'm not doing it." So. Change is being affected, but I want to see more of our, our uh, more of our people uh, 
in those positions. Like Ryan Coogler. Let me let me tell you something about Ryan Coogler. Um, I indirectly met the man. It was uh on he came to Andrews Air Force Base. It was a Black Panther premiere. This is before it's like a week before Black Panther actually dropped. Okay. So he came to base him, and it was uh, another guy too as well. That was this uh, casting director. I want to say I can't forget. It was a, it was he was another black black man. So Google is up there with the uh, the casting director, and they're just talking before the movie starts about the movie, the process, they're taking questions from the uh, from the, um, the the audience, and then we then we watched the movie, and it was absolutely fantastic. And then also the ninety percent of the cast was black, pretty much everyone mm-hmm. behind the cameras. We're, uh, we're black too as well and if you could put on a movie like that that fantastic that clean that crisp great acting great writing with nothing but uh with well uh, people colored behind the uh behind the scenes too as well working on it mm-hmm. why can't we get more of that in different movies too as well a billion dollars to me I I don't understand that was actually my knock with with, with Game of Thrones I'm like this is a fantasy so you tell me even black people can't be in the fantasy? We had like two black guys. Yeah, in, in the desert. One of them and, was a pirate, and yeah. the other one was in the desert, and that was it. I'm like, damn, we couldn't have a house? <laughs> like all Nothing. these houses, you know, that's going with either the north or the south and under, you know, like we couldn't have a house? Damn, not even that. Couldn't be wildlings? fantasy. Like, you know, this isn't a, a documentary where, you know, so I didn't understand that either. Um, there were things like that that, it, it stifles the black artists. It does. And I mean, even in, in the basic form, like people who are trying to come up, want to watch TV shows, they get in, they're getting inspired by something and they don't see anyone who represents the way they look. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it's, I think that's another disadvantage that we have to get over. You know, um, I'm going to do something that whenever I turn on the TV, I don't see people that look like me doing it. It makes it seem a little more intimidating. It doesn't seem as normal for us. So um, I think I'm, I, I hope some change starts to come, and I, I really do hope some change takes place soon. But yeah, Hollywood definitely needs to change that up. Hey. Uh, and I think it will. I think it will. And what mm-hmm. I'm liking is by seeing these actors decide to step down. It's not the network saying, hey, we're going to take this person out. It's the actors deciding to step down, deciding to step down, excuse me, and it's making me feel like keep on doing it. Power to the people. Like it's the people that can say I'm doing this or not, because the networks is just about getting their money. That's what it's going to come down mm-hmm. to, no matter what. Let me ask you about networks. All right, so you yourself, you're uh, you're writing a uh, let's say you're working on a new project and you're writing, you love everything about it, and a network comes to you that you that you uh you're going you're going to put the show on for, and they say, hey, there's some of that story right there. We don't like it. You need to change that up. How would you react in that situation? Because that happens a lot too as well. Right. I think it depends on what they're asking me to change. Okay. If you are telling me, you know, all of a sudden you want to add this, you know, um, you want to change the protagonist to a little girl that chases butterfly and lo and behold, it's some form of nepotism and that's your niece you know, or whatever, mm. like, I'm not, I'm not changing that, because at the end of the day, networks are not, it's, it's the director who's going to fall on the sword, mm-hmm. if something bombs, that's not, you. that's my name, and I always tell people, like, that's the thing I, I have, that if anyone's going to mess it up, I want that to be me, 
I will not let anybody else mess up my name. I'll be the one to do it because at least I can own up and say, damn, I shouldn't have done that. But I refuse to let anybody mess up my name. So I'm not going to have my story, my movie bomb because you wanted to change it up. And I'm telling you creatively from a creative standpoint, it does not work. The story does not work that way. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's giving more roadblocks, but because you're looking at it from dollar signs, um, you think it will work. So I know there's give and take, but, and I'm willing to engage in, you know, in conversations, but at the same time, you can't, the story can't be, like, it still needs to be my story. Right. So if that's the case, I'd rather go the route I'm going now and just try to find a way to do it myself. Did I do it the way I wanted to do it? No, I wanted to do a TV show, but I still getting it out there. You know, like I will find a way of just trying to do it maybe on a different platform that I can actually have access to. So that's that's kind of my way of thinking. Never settle. Like they weren't with, like no one was with me when I was in my room just writing, you know, not going out because I'm trying to get this thing done. Um, so I refuse to just let it completely change where it looks so different from what I've from what I've been working on for the last several months. And that's one thing I love about creative vision that is your is how you see it fit, this is how the story you want to tell. And then every time I hear about studio interference, all that, I'm just like, God, we're never getting the story we want. Zach, you see recently with even Zack Snyder with the Justice League. You know, yeah. it, it took you know a lot of public uh, outcry to get his vision of how the story wouldn't be told. It's Warner mm-hmm. Brothers like this movie needs to be two hours, no more, and you're you're, lim- you're putting someone in a box at that point. It, you, yeah, you are. The only way you get full control is if you hit like James Cameron can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. He did Avatar. You know, even Quentin Tarantino, like he can make his quirky movies. No one's gonna say anything to him because mm-hmm. he's Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. But if you're not at that high level, then yeah these executive producers, the head of the development department, whatever, they're going to put their hands all over your script. And um, there's this old joke I learned when I was taking this producing class. It's uh, a writer gives his script to a producer and then the producer reads it and he is like, you know, it's not ready yet. He urinates on it and then he's like, all right, here it is, just fine. And that's <laughs> kind of how it works. They They can, you know change it up and I know they're thinking it's what's best but it's it started off as a creative project and now you're turning it into a business model yep this is that's exactly how it works right there uh let me uh let me ask you this where do you see yourself in about five years from now uh what would you like to have accomplished what are your what are your goals for the future for yourself as a director I five years from now um visionaries has blown up so to speak I'm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. picking up I'm not in a position where I need to balance working a part time job while coming home to do my full time job of being a director and a writer and doing everything it'd be nice if I can just do that job by itself um, yeah, meaning yeah, some sort of success mm-hmm. and it's it's picking up whether it's still as a podcast whether it, it you know transcends and not transcends excuse me but whether it, it goes in a different direction and becomes a TV show, I just want what all artists want. I just want to be able to do my art, you know, and be able to do it without the constraints of, man, I need to go clock in some hours, go to work and do this. So five years from now, I when I started working on Visionaries, like this is not a one season, 
that's it. This is something I've written to last for several seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now, as I'm coming to an end of writing season two, and hopefully we'll start casting it again soon, um, I've, it's, 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 it's a vehicle that can go the distance a little longer. So that's, that's what I'm hoping in five years. By then, whatever season I'm up to in numbers, whether it's four, five, six, um, but it's, it's still going. And I'm sure once I close that chapter of Visionaries, because everything comes to an end, unfortunately, uh, we right, all see right. what happened when Game of Thrones went on too long. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything comes to an end. And I'm sure that can lead to whatever's going to be the next major project of my life. Fantastic. Um, that is uh, a <laughs> it's, it's it's definitely a loaded question. When I whenever I ask so I, I ask everyone that question, what do you see yourself in five years too? As well, uh, even me for the podcast, like I like I love to do this full time. Just sitting here, and just interview people mm-hmm. from all over. Like the same way you do, but we also have constraints. You know, we, we still got to work jobs for the time mm-hmm. for the time being until we get to the point that you know what this can sustain. This is a living model now. Mm-hmm. Um, you you brought up something interesting too as well. I, I want to actually touch on this. Uh, COVID. Um, how has that actually affected you interviewing individuals to act on season two? So I I have not gotten to the point where I'm casting yet because I wanted to of course write the whole thing first see you know I've added some new characters so Mm. I'm excited to put out the casting call for the new characters Um, there's some of the old there's some of the old characters coming back Mm -hmm. but I do fear that it will halt my audition process where I might have to only audition um, like through through Skype and the reason that changes, hey. you know, when I when I first held auditions, the first two rounds was them sending me an audio clip so they could record it on their phone. They do the scene. Mm-hmm. It all worked out. But the third one, the reason I wanted it to be in person, because I look at everything. Did they come on time? Did mm-hmm. they come prepared? Mm-hmm. There's so much that you get to see in person because anybody can pick up a phone and record it. That doesn't mean that they have the professional attitude that I require on set. So seeing them in person allowed me to kind of gauge and see how do they act, you know, when I give them direction, do they get upset if they feel they're not getting what they thought was good? And I'm like, can you do it again? So that's something I need to figure out because, um, you know, I want to keep the level of acting as to where I have it. And another thing is when we actually do the recording, you know, if with, with the social distancing, like when I have rehearsals, all that will come into play. So I am concerned about that, but I'm just trying to take it one step at a time. Mm-hmm. Can't do anything without the script anyway. So at the very least, let me finish the script. And I don't know where we'll be at as a nation a month from now, two months from now, um, or at least in my in New York, because New York is a little different from where everyone else is, where we're in phase two, going to phase three of our reopening. So hopefully I won't be as impacted. I'd like to have a table read. I always do a table read before we actually start recording. So we read episodes the entire season, you know, so I, I book a room, I bring all the actors. It's a place for us to all talk, meet each other. Cause sometimes not all the actors won't see each other. You just go according to your scene. So maybe you'll come in on Tuesday, but you don't see the actors who came in on Monday. So this is my way of putting everyone in the same room. We read through the entire script. 
we talk about it, you know, we get to know each other. We mm-hmm, get, mm-hmm. I get to lay down expectations that I have for the upcoming season. Um, but that, you know, I had 17 actors last time. Now I might have a little more. So I don't know if I can do that, have that much people in one room in, in that close to each other. So um, I'm, I, that's how pa- the pandemic is affecting me right now. It's definitely adding the, the, the stress of what will happen in the months to come. But right now, like I said, I'm just trying to keep the rose colored glasses on, write this thing, <laughs> you know, get, get it done. And then once I finish, once I'm happy with season two and I'm able to move on and start casting actors, then I'll, I'll cross that bridge. How many seasons can we expect? Ah, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> it is. I I want to say at the very least four seasons, but I think it'd be more than that for sure. Um, okay. But I also I've also seen TV shows, favorite TV shows of mine. I mentioned Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. That don't know when to end. Dexter was another one. I love Dexter, but they did not know when to end. That's true. And it just yep. they got it got sappy and weird at the end. And oh it just felt God. like they had no more of a storyline. So I know when to, sometimes you got to pull the plug. I thought Breaking Bad was good with that. They I was going to bring, yep, say, yep, yep, yep. Pull the plug. Like, we can't go any further. Um, so I I don't know. It's 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 hard. To, a credit to those showrunners. Like, it's hard, you know, to just pull the plug like that. Some people want to try to keep it going because they have a huge fan base. Um so I, I'd say at least four seasons in total. I think it'd be more, but I'm gonna gauge where the story's going because I don't want to compromise the writing and the story for the sake of just not knowing when to stop. Hey, only you know those those answers right there. You hold all the keys, my friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I don't even know it right now. I'm just going season by season case. I love it. Where we at? About an hour twenty? Has it feel like an hour twenty to you? Uh yeah. <laughs> Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Hey, tell everybody where we uh where we can find you at. Where we gonna listen to you. So you can go on our website, www.visionariesaudiodrama.com. Mm-hmm. Uh you can also just look on apps such as like Apple Podcasts, where we're up there. If you just type in Visionaries Audio Drama, you can also find us on Spotify. Um also f- uh, please feel free to follow us on Instagram at Visionaries Audio Drama. I mean, excuse me, just at Visionaries Audio Drama. We also have our Facebook page that you can follow us and join in Visionaries Audio Drama. And um, yeah, you know, just just go in, subscribe on the website if you want to get up to get some um, updates. Also, mm-hmm. by following on Instagram or the Facebook page, I update there too. So uh, just follow us and. You know, enjoy the ride. Go, let's give season one a try and enjoy the ride. Yeah, it's fan. And for everybody that hasn't listened to it, it is absolutely fantastic. The production is the first thing that's caught me, and then I got caught into the uh, to the language and the words and the story and the plot. Like it's it's great. Everybody out there, take a look at it, listen to it. Hey, Rich, um, I'm glad we finally got this uh, got this going. This this has been great. Yeah, it was amazing. I, I definitely like the style. Just talking. Um, cool that we were on the same page it was mm-hmm. i appreciate the opportunity in the platform hey i appreciate you uh giving me the opportunity in the platform <laughs> um that's something else i wanted to say too as well i may say it for a little bit later but um yeah this uh let's go and end this right here thank you very much i appreciate it oh i want to say 
Uh, when you finish season two and as you finish recording it, uh, feel free. Uh, hit me up. Come back on the pod. I definitely want to talk to you about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You'll be once it's all wrapped up. I'll definitely let you know. We can hopefully set up another another session. Hey, easy enough. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's uh, that's it for uh, for today's pod. I appreciate that. Rich, I appreciate you. And uh, we'll catch up on the, uh, on the other side. All right, brother. Take care. Yeah, stay on the phone before a little bit. We'll talk a little bit afterwards and we'll go from there. Okay. All right, cool.